This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 32 of season 2. And today I am joined by two new little tiny reptilian friends. <laughs> because my son found two leopard, are they zebra? I can't remember, one of those house geckos in our back room. And I've never seen them before. Uh, I talk to somebody who's in the know when it comes to science and our local environment and apparently they are moving further north and I know I'm not north but I mean further north from the tropical region of Florida or South Alabama so I have been looking at them I have offered them mealworms and they're gonna have to move out tonight we're gonna put them out in the hothouse I was worried about doing it because well I hear that they usually outcompete, or maybe even worse, um, native geckos, but we don't have a lot of native geckos around here, so I don't think it'll hurt the anoles too bad. We're going to go ahead and give them a shot at life. Living in the back room, however, is a big uh-uh. I've got kitty cats, and that's where the grandbaby sleeps when she comes over, and I don't want their poop everywhere, so they're my little buddies today for this conversation and one of them is making a sound at me but today I thought we might talk about something that's been on my mind lately I was running through a bunch of old paperwork and trying to clean things up trying to do a little of that getting rid of things and making my life a little bit more streamlined and a lot more peaceful and I ran into an old notebook and it looks like one from when I started the podcast I have no memory of any of this. I really don't. It's in my handwriting and that's the only way I reckon I would believe it. But it's about, hold on, let me look. It's titled Little Altars and Tiny Magic. So yeah, and there are a bunch of ideas here. Either I did do this as a podcast and have no memory, as that was several years ago, or I meant to and I didn't get to it. So, I reckon I'm going to go ahead and go for it, and if it is the same topic I've done before, well, I'm sorry. That's where we are. Okay, this piece of paper has reminded me quite a bit. For instance, when I was a little girl, I used to do these, I know I've told you all this before, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, Uh, little houses. It was more like doing a blueprint where you draw out where your rooms are going to be and that's such a thing and when I was a really little girl what I did was I would take pine needles the house we lived in was just surrounded by southern pines and that meant I had all the pine needles in the entire free world to deal with and if you took them and you kind of just smooshed them together you could make long straight lines and I would do that and say one room would be you know, the front porch, because it's the south, and another room would be the kitchen, and 
I would just design these little rooms and habitats. And I remember when I was super, super tiny doing that literally for hours. And I would go get little oxide daisies, little tiny ones. And they look like little fried eggs, (laughs) you know, with a yellow center and the white around it. And when I would put it in a little pan and I would pretend that I was making eggs for breakfast in my tiny kitchen, I was very imaginative as a little girl. And uh, whether it's my imagination or whether or not it was real, I would serve tea to the fae. Now, of course, I was very, very young, well under the age of 10. So I can't be sure. It, in my memory, feels extraordinarily real. But who knows? No way to go back and test that theory. But I do remember them. Because they used to think that they were the ones that were the candles. They would light up around me when I needed that sort of little spark to feel even more imaginative in my pretend house. And I remember they would light up from their insides. They were not lightning bugs. Anyway, that was a long, long time ago. And it was little magic. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, I think we spend uh, an exorbitant amount of time thinking about big magic, rituals, and complicated spell work, and things that require cauldron. And while that is a lot of fun, and I do have a cauldron, y'all, it was made in the 1800s. Cast iron, huge, can't hardly lift it. I need like three people. And while I've used things like that, especially for particular kinds of spells. And it's all fun and it's all magnificent. But we don't talk a lot about the little things that we do that are magical. And sometimes when we're tired, when we're sick, or we're busy, little magic can be, well, it can be the hammock that comes up underneath us and saves us. You know, when I was a little girl doing all that, creating that beautiful little witch cottage in the woods and serving tea to the fae. I was doing that because the inside of that house was horrible. And there was screaming, there was yelling, there was crying, there was abuse. It was, um, I had to escape. And even though it was just an outline on the ground that I created where I could feel this space, that space, well, it felt protective. You know, of course, we know that we can create circles on the ground, rocks, salts. We know this and that those can be protective. I was doing this work when I was very small. (laughs) But that kind of little magic, that can come in really handy when you're standing in a situation you cannot get away from. Whether that be in line at the grocery store or getting your driver's license done. It can feel quite the same. I don't see that as big magic. I see that as little magic. I just close my eyes and I create my little house. And it is safe and it is protected. If I need to turn around in a circle to really feel that, I just pretend I drop something on the ground and turn around and then go, "Hmm, I don't see it. Stand back up. These little moments, they can end up creating the tapestry of an extraordinarily magical life. And according to these notes, and of course, which means, and I probably have podcasted about it before, little altars everywhere can be extraordinarily magical too. Can't tell you how many times that we've been somewhere, 
gone on vacation and I miss my big altar. If I want to do something, I want my big altar. I have one inside and it's very personal and sweet. And then I have the magnificent one that my partner has built for me outside. And they are what I lean on. They are where I do most of my work and where I heal and recharge and all of that. And usually when I go on vacation, especially if I'm going to the ocean, honey, that ocean is my altar. I know you know what I mean. It moves me. It moves everything in my body and my heart and my magic. And it's really quite good enough. I have been caught before. (laughs) Drawing a pentagram on the sand under a supermoon. And those folks took a wide berth from me. I'm sure they thought they had walked into something kind of sketchy. But they still talk about it. (laughs) And that's fine too. But inside the house that I was staying in. I just didn't feel as grounded, you know, so I started creating the small spaces, the tiny altars, if you will, and they can be very tiny. I'm a big fan of those little votive candles. You can throw them in your pocketbook and take them anywhere, honey, and just one of those with a little sand around it and the right words blessed over it. Well, that brought me so much peace when I had to be inside. Many here at home, I've noticed I've been doing tiny altars everywhere. I have a little bitty one in the kitchen. Nobody ever seems to notice it. But I think a very experienced seasoned witch would. (laughs) Lots of pretty rocks and all kind of circling my favorite indigo blue candle. And it's just important if I'm making a dinner and I'm feeling a little stressed out, I'll go for it. And I've got a protective doll that someone sent me from overseas. And she's got a bowl in her hands and a tiny little wooden spoon. And I'll just drop a green bean in there as an offering. And she watches over that kitchen against these uh, tiny little magical moments that bring it all home for me. It looks like here in these old notes I talked about hanging a little sprig of rosemary in your shower. Now, you don't want to leave that in there till it rots, but one or two days would be nice. And it just heats up and the air, oh, it just purifies. Rosemary is so wonderful at getting rid of negativity. And if you're already cleaning yourself, well, now that's just a power witch shower now, isn't it? But also the other little things like naming my chickens, naming my plants. <laughs> Everything becomes a tiny altar. Everything becomes magical when I care about those little moments. I reckon I've tried to witchify everything around here. We have those uh, cement gargles, and they're sitting on our doggies' graves, and it's beautiful. And we planted perennial flowers all around them so that they're always showing off. And it's just such a lovely space to go sit and talk to my Gadsby. Or my sweet Maggie Mae, who I lost earlier this year. It's just taking the time to invest in magic everywhere I can. And it doesn't have to be about money. I've painted rocks and I've left them around to remind me to stay in my magic. To have a reprieve from the day. We have those little sparkle lights you get at Christmas. We have those on our front porch. We have some out in the yard. 
We've got some that are on a sun panel that'll light up and they're all colors. It's these tiny little things that is bringing all of this back to me all the time. I grow roses and I have a lot of them. And I also drink wine. So I will drop a little rosebud in my wine. Do a little spell on love and healing and peace. We grow nasturtiums and they're just wonderful. Just sprinkled across the salad. Tastes like black pepper. Beautiful tiny little flower. It's all of these little moments that's bringing it home for me. And you know, when most folks talk about magic, they talk about things that are more like monoliths. You know? Like a giant tree. Of course, that's going to be magical. (laughs) Or a statue. A great body of water. And we have to remember, what was that in uh, Men in Black? The universe (laughs) is on Orion's Bell. So sometimes these tiny little things can hold a universe in them. We already know this, though. If you've had a child or you've been a child, and that should pretty much cover all of y'all. It's just never seemed to me that children like the bigger things. They like the little ones, the tiny things, where their imaginations can run wild. When I was little, I loved that book, Stuart Little. Do y'all know what that is? Oh, my God. And he could ride a tiny motorcycle. I think he slept in a half of a walnut. The smaller it goes for me, the more intrinsically magical it all becomes. Because somehow... It holds everything regardless of its size. I feel like Alice in Wonderland right now, but I know what I mean. We went down to St. Augustine not too long ago. Actually, it has been a long time, but this pandemic about knocked my ass out. So it was right before 2020. And if y'all ever get a chance to go to the historic district down there, please check out the Tiny Museum. It's uh, needle art that you have to see through a microscope. A very powerful one. And it's amazeballs. Just entire works of art. On something that would fit on the head of a needle. Amazing. You know maybe I already had a propensity to kind of think this way. I'm very little. I don't know if you'll know that. But I'm little. I was five foot two before I started shrinking. (laughs) Um, I'm five foot one I hope. And most of my life, I didn't weigh very much, but honey, time does have a way. I'm starting to get a little bit more round. I trust myself a lot more when I'm round. And I live on a little bitty farm. And on that little bitty farm, there's everything just in miniature. Our chickens are miniature. Our peach trees are miniature. (laughs) They're not more than my height. And they put off so many peaches. We have miniature black crepe myrtles, which are stunning. I have a miniature almond tree. Most of those get way up in the sky. This one won't ever get over 10 feet. So everything fits on this little cute organic farm. Including my tiny little witch ass. And you know, I was always like this. Somebody would give me one of those iridescent marbles. And I would hold it in my hand. I don't know if y'all remember being children, but if you don't, even if it was traumatic, there's got to be one good thing. The taste of ice cream, you know, the first time you ever saw, I don't know, a giraffe. Just there has to be a tiny magical moment somewhere 
I know this because I had a traumatic childhood. <laughs> and I remember very much holding a little iridescent marble in my hand and seeing the world in there. And it being my most prized possession. Oh, you know, I grew up in the late 60s and the 70s. And so I had the Barbie dream house. It was little enough, but it wasn't my prized possession. My prized possession was a dollhouse that my grandmother made for me by hand. And everything in there was so little. And I could imagine a whole world inside of its frame. It took me a while. I'm 56 now. It took me a while to remember that all I had to do to find it again was squint my eyes. Just so. It helps having a grandbaby. She's kind of bringing it all back. And she's just outside of the one percentile for her height. We've all been really worried about it, but not me as much because I know we come from the land of Lilliputians and we are the tiny folk, so it'll be fine. Although I would like to say that when it comes to my friends, I don't have tiny friends. All of the people I love that bring me joy and that I trust the most are, well, they're not tiny. (laughs) They're not tiny. They could squish me. And I trust them, and I love them, and they are my everything. I've always wished I was bigger. But then I finally realized that we don't need to be wishing any of that nonsense, y'all. We need to be what we are and find magic in it. So, I am a tiny little witch grandma that has a, hear that pat, a little bit of a belly going on, and uh, rather top-heavy over that, too. And still, I am magical. And then my best friends, well, they tower over me and they make about five of me. And they're my bears in my heart and I find them gorgeous and curvy and beautiful. And they own that magic. And all together, I reckon we look like quite a pair, you know. It reminds me very much of my dogs. Not saying that I or my friends are dogs. However, if you know me well enough, you know I like dogs better than people. So, do with that as you will. I have a hundred pound dog. He was a rescue. I wasn't supposed to keep him. That's how most of these dogs happen in my house. We have seven. Sometimes eight. Depends on whether or not I'm watching my grand dog. And his name is Jax. He is just magnificent. He's brindled, so he it, it's just beautiful, that copper up against that black, all that brindling. I think that's what you call it. Anyhow, we got him as a tiny puppy for my son, who then couldn't take care of him, mostly because he turned out to be a monster, the size of a dragon, and uh, I call him my dragon. And then I have this tiny little five-pound Yorkshire Terrier. He was a bit of a saved dog as well. His name is Rasputin, and I named him that because I needed him to have a lot of lives around these damn dogs. He is so tiny, y'all, and he is so fierce. (laughs) He's not one of those yappy dogs, and he, he certainly doesn't nip at your heels or anything. However, he will tell my big dog, Jax, he's about the size of one of his feet. And he will turn up 
and he will tell Jax about himself, tell him all about himself and his mama, and send him scattering to the winds if he doesn't like what Jax is doing. He is the boss. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, I mean, he's also an Aries, so I'm not that shocked at that as an Aries. And then Jax is just this sweet, loving, kind, good, angelic galoop. Uh, if he steps on your foot, it's going to hurt like fire. And he scares people, but he's actually the sweetest. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to say that magic comes in all kinds of packages. And no matter what size we are, you know, the Christians have their churches, these big, huge churches, right? We call the one that's down here in the town close to us Six Flags Over Jesus. No telling how much money that thing costs to maintain. Anyhow, we have our spaces too. But I think sometimes witches may be the last beings on the earth that know that magic can be the size of your fingernail. It really can. It can be in the tiny moments. It can be in the tiny things. I think for our purposes today, I'm talking about little magic. Little altars, those little miracles I know you've seen. I mean, it's all well and good for somebody to be able to create a fireball out of nowhere. That's big magic. But to get a frog to let you pet its head and close its eyes, have you ever tried that? That's little magic. And there's a world in there. You know, my stepdad, I never called him that. I called him dad. But my stepdad who... Came into my life when I was, um, I believe, early 13 years old. My memory is starting to fade. He meant everything to me. He did. He meant everything to me. He was a little man, which is uh, convenient for this story. I think five foot eight. Maybe. Mm, wait, no, he was five foot six. Never mind. He was really little. And, uh, well, he matched all of us. It worked out. He had a very big spirit, though, and people would always think he was bigger than he was. And his favorite movie in the whole entire world was Ghost. I know. And that moment with a penny where Patrick Swayze is trying to tell Demi Moore that he's still there and he loves her, and that penny rises up. I was watching that with him one night when I was down there on vacation. They were living in Florida. He was from New Jersey, of all places, and married my southern mama. And, um, ooh, that made my grandma mad. Anyway, but we were sitting there watching it. I was on break from grad school and had my little kids down there with me. And I'd heard somebody sniffing behind me, like, like crying. And I turned around, and I had never seen him cry. I mean, he was a tough Jersey cop. And I said, are you all right? And he said, yeah, uh, just remember that penny scene. If I ever need to come back to you, that's what I'm going to use as a penny. And I was like, all right. And then, of course, it was that month that he died unexpectedly, planting a flower for my mother in the backyard of um, a hematoma. He was 52. He was uh, way younger than my mama. So it's only been 20 years. I think we only had 13 or so years between us. But he was still my daddy. Anyway, I, I finally found the love of my life. I did a love spell for him, and I found him. He was also inconveniently younger than me. 
In fact, he was the same age that my dad was when he married my mom, and she had three kids, and I had three kids, and he was the same age. Quite the coincidence, isn't it? But he had been passed away for a while. miss him all the time. I thought about him all the time. Still do. And um, we rented out the local UU because they're nice to pagans. And we had women marrying us. Officiating. Nothing's wrong with Polly, but we're not. We didn't actually marry them. Let me say that again. Nothing is wrong with polyamory. Y'all be nice. I've seen some ugly comments going on out there. What are y'all to do? telling other people about love seriously cut it out anyway so we had rented this uu and we were doing a potluck wedding i mean the jig was up after all i was 42 i had three kids i wore a a red a scarlet red <laughs> a greek dress for my wedding and so i was in the back there was this little repository where you could wait until everything was set up and someone had started singing the song that we wanted a friend of mine who I'm still grateful for she had lost her voice nearly too she was sick and she still sang and the young man who created that little guitar intro for our podcast that young man Linwood he was playing the guitar he was just a teen at that time when my son's best friends anyway I'm sitting in that repository and I'd made everybody go on and go get in line and they had just vacuumed the floor they had just assured the place was completely clean for us and I was standing there and I had my head held down because I was a little bit nervous and I was a little bit heartbroken that he couldn't be there that he wasn't alive to walk me down that aisle I'd never had a proper wedding before. This was my first. And I really was hurting. And I was really missing him. And I took a deep breath and I looked up. And there, suddenly, (laughs) incomprehensibly, in front of my pretty little silver shoes, was a copper penny. That's little magic. I picked that thing up. I put it in my bra and... After my ring went on my hand that night, that ring box, I slipped that penny into that box. I still have it 15 years later. And when I'm sad, when I need him, I go find that penny and I take it out and I rub it between my fingers because it is magic. It's become a tiny little ancestor table, (laughs) a little altar where I can go see him and remember the time He pushed through the veil to tell me he was there. (laughs) Emotional. (laughs) But he was there. And as soon as I'm absolutely positive that my granddaughter won't put it in her mouth and choke on it, I'm going to give it to her. He would have loved her. So, it's important to slow down and see these tiny little places. It's critical to uncover the magic in little altars. Little spaces, little moments, because they happen all the time. And most of it, we might miss. If we're looking for big bangs and big to-dos, magic isn't always like that, honey. 
The thunder is not always going to clap and something fall down from the sky and you suddenly know you're on the right path. That's not always the way it works. Sometimes, like it did a couple of years ago for me when I was worried about a possible grandchild, a hummingbird lands on your head. Mm-hmm, that happened to me. Then stays there and doesn't want to leave. <laughs> Making sure you heard what it said. Little magic everywhere. So mote that be. All right. I wanted to remind y'all that a long time ago I used to write a lot on my website, on my blog. That's how I got started. But right now I don't have the time. I have to actually choose between podcasting and writing on the blog. I write under my government name quite a lot, but I'd like to increase the time I write on my blog and I'd like to increase the podcast itself. And the reason I'm bringing this up is last night I made that redneck lasagna. And if y'all haven't ever made that, you need to. It is amazing. It's so easy. It's so quick. And if you're busy, you still get that feeling like you cook something good. And last night we had, um, well, you'll have to go look at it to see what I'm talking about. But we used wild mushroom ravioli and sausage and fennel ravioli and spinach and like three different kinds of cheeses and it was so good oh it's so good anyway it's over there on the blog under recipes and i know there's not much there which brings me around to talking about patreon which i have to do if i can get to a hundred patrons and right now i'm at 54 if i can get to a hundred i'm going to go back to writing at least once a month over there and I'm going to make longer content for y'all. I'm thinking at least 45 minutes. And the reason I can't right now is y'all need to hold on to a wall. I have six jobs. That's right, six. You know, I'm including the farm in this because the farm is kicking and kicking my ass. So if we take that out, I have five. And it takes about 20 hours a week for me to do podcast and the Patreon so if I could get a little bit more going on over there, more patrons to support the podcast, I can let go of one of those. And the more I get, the more I'm letting go of. I'm witchifying every damn thing. One of these days, I'm just going to be writing witch books and podcasting and maybe even going somewhere on a tour. So I do want to do some shout outs. This week was lighter than most, but that doesn't mean anything. Other than the folks that showed up, were really appreciated. Our new members are Brian and Angela. Love you so much. Thank you for supporting this work. It is work, and I do love it. It's where I want to spend all my time. <laughs> and over there, Taryn and I, we do a podcast at least once a month that's only released on Patreon. So it's a lot of fun. Y'all let me know if you want to join. And in the interim, go look at that lasagna recipe, redneck lasagna, over on the website. Let me know what you think. All right. Love y'all like chicken. I'll see you next week. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.